0: this cloud that looms over. You know, we're going to talk about embracing now. (laughs) The thing about embracing, almost like curving and holding like this with with the hand, he wanted us to take that shape, to feel the spirit. Zouk is such a beautiful dance because you can develop different sets of skills. I got so crazy into the comfort thing that I overlooked all the others. There is a level of intricacy in walking. There's a level of intricacy and embracing, and they are in a way simple, but they do hold complexity to them.
1: When Guy Prada attended his first Brazilian Zouk Social in the US, he couldn't help but notice that everyone seemed to be dancing with a bit too much space in between them. Struck by this departure from the more embracing style of partner dance that he was used to in Brazil, he decided to create his first workshop called The Universe Behind the Hug, which popularized the idea of a closer, and more embracing style of Brazilian Zouk to the Western scene. He is currently the senior instructor at District Zouk in Washington, DC, and has traveled extensively, teaching all throughout the US, Europe, Asia, and Oceania, with the goal of spreading and making Brazilian Zouk more accessible to audiences all around the world. In this episode, we talk about Gui's roots in Argentine tango, his approach to teaching the embrace across various cultures, and how adaptation might be the defining key to creating an incredible social
0: dance.
1: brother, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to, to do this interview with us.
0: I'm excited, man, very excited.
1: Um, how has teaching in Brazil been for you? <laughs>
0: has been really, 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 it's hard to explain because uh, it's a very surreal experience to me sometimes to teach in Brazil because I didn't start teaching in Brazil. I started teaching in the United States. So coming to teach in Brazil, it's such a different experience uh, because of how people respond. So it has been like sometimes really like, frantic and sometimes really magical
1: well I took <clears throat> I took your class um, almost a year ago now leaders intensive workshop in Austin yeah. Texas and I just want to start out with some gratitude because you were a big inspiration um, when I started Zook because you know Zook is very intimidating and it still can be right because you know you watch a demo and it's all like crazy head movement and counterbalances And I remember taking your workshop and it was a real turning point for me because the workshop was about, was it basic, and then lateral. That was it. Cut it at that. And it was how do you make it more smooth? How do you make it more comfortable? And why that affected me so much was because for the first time, Zouk could be more accessible because I came in, I then came into dance knowing that as long as I do my basic smoothly and comfortably in awareness of how the follow is feeling, then I can enjoy Brazilian Zook. And so that was really big. And I know you're working on some stuff on making Zook more accessible and lowering the threshold of people learning Zook.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what have been your developments on that?
0: I have been expanding the leaders leaders training, the leaders intensive. uh, The version that you did it's not the version that exists today like there's a lot of changes over time because every time something else happens and i have been trying to focus the teaching on the social dancing aspects of the dance so like like you mentioned the aspects of adaptation the aspects of ac- how accessible the dance is and also for myself the kind of brazilian zouk dance that i want to showcase to the people to offer, like a point of reference, of the simplicity, you know, like oh, there is a version of this dance that maybe I can do, you know, like maybe and this I can do is someone that doesn't dance at all. It's just like watching videos on YouTube, you now going on the YouTube, you know, dark hole of of watching stuff, and then finds a Zouk video that they can watch and see. Oh, this this maybe I can do. So it's like it's a conscious. Effort of showcasing a dance that maybe more people can can do, like be a more, you know, broad entrance point.
1: Gotcha. So right now you're focused on the visual aspect, so that when people see it from the outside, they're like, "Oh, it is something that isn't all crazy with with it's, all these complex movements." Kind of like it's that. It's
0: one of the. It's one. It's one of the things. Yeah, I'm trying to record videos that are that don't have head movements for example mm-hmm. so I record dances without head movements yeah, so that's one aspect on the teaching aspect is focusing on adaptation uh, and everything that encompasses adaptation uh, and all this technically speaking all the actual techniques required for adaptation you know? so this has been mostly the focus of my classes
2: uh, I really appreciate this because I had two situations the last weeks with students. And one was a beginner, like learn from, I don't know, maybe one, two months learning. And he asked me to teach spins um. because he saw people doing a lot of spins. So it's complicated when people see we doing a lot of stuff, different stuff like spins, counterbalance or Hard movements, complicated movements, and advanced. And then they think Zouk is like this. So what you're doing is amazing. Because yes, so I appreciate. I think I have to thank you. Thank you. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I think it's very important for the Zouk scene and for our dance to represent our dance. Because we have a lot to share, not just crazy movements and crazy spins and
1: yeah I mean we we interviewed Luan Adriana like about two three weeks ago and they said you know the teachers teach a lot of spins right but they might not do a lot of spins at a social dance
0: yes yes exactly I think man this is such a complex topic (laughs) we would need we need a couple of hours (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because there's so much stuff involved, there's so much stuff involved yeah, that goes all the way from market like like it's your livelihood, it's how you think you're gonna you know get work that you're gonna get recognition you know it's a very complex topic I think in the end of the day is trying to summarize like a very tiny portion of it <laughs> I think one of the main aspects is. Trying to showcase to people that there is a level of intricacy in walking. There's a level of intricacy in embracing. There's a level of intricacy in things that are considered simple. And they are, in a way, simple, but they do hold complexity to them. And I'd like more people to see and appreciate this complexity because I think it's, and then it comes to the part, the point of accessibility. It's more accessible. More people could do it uh, because it's a simple matter of uh, being able to do a spin. Depending on your age, depending on how your how your body is, it's harder to do a spin. But everybody that has two legs can walk, you know. And so this is the this is the idea that I'm trying to bring. And I do understand this complexity that is being. Let's say in quote, sold in Brazilian Zook, because there is a level of sometimes people feel the professionals feel pressure to perform and showcase the dance in a certain way in order to get the recognition they think they need to get work. You know, so it's really complex. It really is highly complex. So I I just try to focus on what I can do, you know, to to help grow the dance and I grow the dance not only in numbers but also in, in quality because I go I like I love social dancing <laughs> so I want to social dance and have a good time
1: I'm curious to know more about what you mean by intricacy mm-hmm. um, because I do agree with you there is a lot of intricacy in just walking or in an embrace or just breathing with someone um, but can you paint a picture of a little bit of what you're talking about what depth exists in just walking or in an, in an embrace
0: yeah so i like this topic because it's very very measurable you can feel this everybody that dances i don't know which camera i look but everybody that, <laughs> but everybody that dances knows everybody that partner dances can identify in their bodies when something feels good and when something doesn't feel good so when they are embraced by someone Instinctively, they can feel if that embrace feels good or if it was uncomfortable, you know, or if it feels neutral. So, the intricacies are studying and understanding and figuring out what are these elements of the embrace that are behind a comfortable embrace? What are the elements of a walk that are behind a comfortable walk? And when I say comfortable, I mean effortless. I mean light without being absent. I mean light with being easy. Easy. Né? So it's effortless and easy. Uh, Jaime, uh, one of my main instructors, Jaime Rocha, he had these three words, fácil, interessante e verdadeiro, which is mean easy, interesting and truthful. Or true. So he said that the dance, a good dance is fácil, easy, interesting and truth, truthful. Uh, so this is something that we can feel when we're dancing with someone, and the person is maybe distracted, looking elsewhere, not really engaged with you in the dynamics of the dance. This would be the truthful part, like that the dance is there, you're both present. Mm. Yeah. So the intricacies for me are in this in these aspects, these technical and metaphysical aspects behind an embrace, behind a walk that can make them feel more comfortable feel more accessible feel easier to do you know
1: it's very interesting how so many things that you might think is small can affect the dance in such big ways
0: Dude <laughs> oh my gosh if there is one thing I learned, I did this thing called nonviolent communication and it has a, the, one of the things that I learned is that there are there are really No small things. Because when we talk about relationships, and they give like a very fun example, you are in a relationship with someone and you have a thing with closing the cap of the toothpaste. The toothpaste thing, you know, I don't know the name of it. The tube. the tube, The toothpaste tube. You have a thing with it, but the person you are with doesn't close. And you're like, oh, it's a small thing. It's just closing the cap. But then five years later, You're like, that (laughs) 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 motherfucker never (laughs) never closes, you know. And so the thing builds up to a level that, you know, it's not small. It's If so, all of these things that are considered small, they hold relevance. They hold incredible relevance. So uh, I call them details nowadays. I I call like, oh, it's a small thing. I call them, oh, it's a detail. Because I think that detail holds a different importance to it. Like, we want to be mindful of the details. uh, More, maybe, than we want to be mindful of the small things. So, there's also, like, a semantic thing involved in it, like a choice of words.
3: Yes. Because you're no longer disregarding it. You're accepting it, but you're just naming it something else instead of making it irrelevant.
0: Exactly. Exactly that. So... um, in my teaching as well i try to be very mindful of which words i'm choosing to convey certain concepts because they are sometimes by default defined as small or or you know or simple but not simple in the in the sense that i'd like simple to have but in the simple of like oh this is simple like kind of like almost disregarding it you know so i'd like to bring more awareness because i do see these things as a set of skills that you can develop as well. Zouk is such a beautiful dance because you can develop different sets of skills because you dance in different positions, and you dance to different kinds of music, and you have movements that are more or less athletic. So yeah, you can develop your set of skills in the spins, in the counterbalances, in the lifts. You can develop your set of skills in dancing in open position dancing to r and you can develop your set of skills, dancing, closing walking. and you know? walking. So I'd like people to develop all of the set of skills. In my learning experience, it was the reverse, because I got, I got so crazy into the comfort thing that I overlooked all the other ones. So when I had to start teaching, I didn't know how to do cotton I, I still have to work on my spins a lot. You know, doing fast, fast head movement things. I still have to work on them.
3: And do you feel like that is a necessity? A Guy Prada needs to learn how to do that as a professional.
0: Dude, my therapist asked the exact <laughs> same question. <laughs> <laughs> because she asked, Guilherme, you talk about comfort so much with your students why do you keep putting yourself in uncomfortable situations? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that includes the competitions, that includes the, the, the demos, the, the, the Jack and Jules, all this stuff. And the reason why I tell my therapist, I'm going to tell you guys, <laughs> is because I think in my head that as an instructor, it's good that I know at least some of all these things. Because mm-hmm. when a student comes for me, Comes to me with a question about these things, I can maybe help some of it. I might not be able to help them, like the student that comes to you help me spin. When a student comes to me, in, to me, and like, oh, let's do a class on spinning. I, I direct them to Alison. Like, you can do it, Alison. Alison is amazing on spinning. I, I'm not qualified yet to teach you about spinning, you know, uh, but I would like to. You know, I'd like to be able to teach those, that, that person how to spin, you know. So I think for me as a profession that work with this, it would be nice. But for, for the Gi social dancer, I really, I don't need it. However, when I talk about expression, and like putting in the physical world something that I envision in my mind, sometimes I'd like to spin. I'd like to lead somebody on the spin, maybe three. Because the music, the vibe, everything led me into that moment. And then I don't know how to spin. So I feel that like, oh damn it. You know. And I had this with a lot of things. So when I had to start teaching in 2017, I actually had to catch up. I was, I spent a year catching up on like all the other things. Because I know the embrace, the walking, the direction changes, the blah, 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 blah. But the open position things, I needed to catch up. You know.
1: So you needed to be prepared as a professional so that if a student came to you with anything, you could be ready for it. Exactly. But I also heard you say that you would want your students to have a lot of, be able to express themselves in all those different ways as well.
0: Exactly, exactly. That's why I think diversity is important in any dance community. Uh, So we have professionals that are able to uh, cover all cover the whole ground you know, we have somebody that can teach you each one of these skill sets you know, and also to grow né, to spread uh, so I think we, we live in an area in law it was already like this it's already like this, in law you have the specializations né? so I was specializing in intellectual property you know, but we have the, the tax law department we have the litigation department so you have the specialized people that you go to. And I think in dance is very similar. We have some specialized people in things. I happen to be specialized in closing brace, in basics, in all this stuff, you know. So I do see there is a specialization kind of thing going on. uh, And I don't see this as a bad thing. For me personally, I would like to cover more ground for my own development, for my own happiness (laughs) as a professional. But, yeah, it's how it is right now.
3: So you say you specialize in in the hug, and I actually took one of your first Universe Behind the Hugs.
0: I think you took the second.
3: The second, yeah. <laughs> I think
0: it was second or third. In San yeah.
3: Diego, um, and that was groundbreaking actually, because at the time I think you were teaching uh, walking how to stay connected because a lot of us. Uh, danced very open and were not comfortable with close embrace and we were also not using elasticity and you're actually one of the first instructors that brought that to the United States mm-hmm. um and that was that was groundbreaking can you talk more about that journey how you discovered that how you dis- how you went about creating the universe behind the hug and what how that all came to be
0: mm man that <laughs> that one in san diego bro that was hard that was mentally challenging for me i remember going to the car you want you want's car then on saturday asking her to cancel sunday like let's not do sunday i cannot do sunday i was like stressed so stressed um because it's, it's how i was reading the the audience you know it's how i was reading the the crowd, reception to the material that I was giving. Uh, because, uh, sorry, can you repeat the question? How? how
3: don't keep going, you're doing wonderful. Keep, keep going.
0: <laughs> so the universe behind the hug came to be, uh, so I, I got to the US not to teach this. I got to the US to take a break from Rio. I was tired of living in Rio, tired of the life there. So I went to the US because my father was there. And while I was in the West, I met the people at District Zook. And I went to watch a class. And I saw the class and they were doing things far away. <laughs> and I was like, what how are you guys doing here? You know, I got so because <laughs> I was still with the nostalgic views, you know, of how Brazilian Zook was, blah blah. And I was my level of tolerance was not very high <laughs> to the differences. I did not understand the differences in culture, you know. So I wanted people to be closer dancing. In my personal social dance life, I have been working on the embrace for my own enjoyment of life and dance. So I've been working on comfort and embrace for myself. And then in this work, I figured out many things behind the Embrace. So when I was in the U.S., I talked to Ashley, Ashley Kent, who is the organizer there, the big boss. I talked to Ashley and I said, look, I've been working on this Embrace thing for a while. Do you mind if I create a workshop about it and teach here? He said, yeah, go ahead. So basically, I created a workshop. I wrote it down. And did two prototypes with the team. And then I did it in, in the pub for the public. And then Cuna came, and then Jerry Lai came. And they they came for this first workshop in DC. And I think that's how the thing started to, to spread, you know. Then I went to San Diego, Minneapolis, then the whole thing began. Uh and it was really amazing because at that time. It was needed. It was like people were like really wanting it. So the le- the reception was really good for the most part because there was a s- resistance, I think unconscious resistance to the things that I was saying. Because especially the second day, it was very metaphysical. I was talking about vibrations, I was talking about intention, I was talking about uh energy. Yeah. Uh so It was not maybe the language that the students at the time was, was, were used to listen. So there was some level of resistance to it. Um, some level of challenge (laughs) It was super interesting, but it was the thing that, that started me in this teaching dance world. It was the universe behind the hug and the name universe behind the hug was really because there was a whole bunch of things behind the embrace that I wanted to convey.
2: So what is the difference that you felt about the culture, that you felt challenging when you started to teach Zouk and Close Embrace and everything?
0: The main difference is, I think, how people uh, greet each other, how people deal with each other on a regular basis. I needed to study a little bit, to understand a little bit more. and. I got to read some articles about the lack of touch that exists in the societies in general as a whole. So loneliness is a is a is a thing, is a is an issue. In some countries, they were actually thinking about having loneliness be like a, a public health issue, a public health uh I don't know hazard hazard or danger or something like this. And so loneliness being a thing, the lack of touch being a thing, so I learned about this phenomenon called touch starvation, you know, which is like this idea that people really starve, like really want crave for touch. And that ends up creating a culture that is less touch-based that it is in Brazil, you know, in the sense of you know, I was raised In a very touchy way You know, I was hugged all the time Kissed all the time You know, very constantly Even after I grew older Even after I got became a teenager Became an adult It kept happening And I know in many cultures That doesn't happen at all So like that break in the cycle Of how much physical attention Somebody gets Really shaped the whole thing So this is the the thing that I learned uh, While there Because there was like a There was this Difference in how much touch people were receiving on a regular basis. You
3: know? Every culture is different, right? Yeah. So how did you bridge the gap between, let's say, the United States and other cultures? Because you've now traveled the world, how have you bridged that gap and changed your teaching style for that culture?
0: Humor. Humor, man. Using humor. Yeah. So I study humor. Humor techniques. I did stand-up comedy courses. Because humor, for my form of learning, was the most effective one. The, the, the topics that I liked in school were because the instructors were funny as hell. And I liked history and geography because all the instructors I had in ago were like, they were hilarious, you know? So I learned that there was something about humor. And then Jaime, super funny, you know? And people there as well. So I realized that if I wanted to talk about a topic that can be a little bit taboo, I needed to break the ice. And to break the ice, I used humor. Uh, And also, and I say this, the rule number one about teaching about connection, and when I mean connection, I mean physical connection, close embrace, touch, is not to make a big deal out of it. So I think when people make a big deal out of it, it creates this this thing, this clouds that looms over, you know, we're going to talk about embrace now. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know.
3: We're laughing, for this because we know, we've been to Brazil and we are in Brazil at the moment. And it's just so natural to hug and kiss somebody and go up to them.
1: And, and it was, and, and I just moved here. So it was very uncomfortable at the beginning yes. to kiss LA whenever I see her. It was very uncomfortable. I'm like, oh geez, I'm going for it, guys. I'm going for it. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then now it's just like, oh no, everyone does it. And, everyone. And and I, I do feel like the dance community, I feel like dance community is a lot more physical than the regular Brazilian. Is correct me if I'm wrong. But, 100%. but I, I meet other people and they don't show as much affection as dancers do. But being around this culture has allowed me to open up. You talked about touch starvation. Um, I, I didn't even know I wanted this much touch or I needed it yes. until I was here.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's like in nonviolent communication, we learned something very interesting. Uh, that physical touch is a human need. It's a human necessity. It's a human need. And we have several strategies to to meet this this need for touch. And dance is one of them. We can can have partner dancing be one of these things that we use in order to to meet this need. You know? Uh, And the thing about touch starvation is that sometimes people feel this need very strongly. They just don't have strategies for it. And so they... So, so then it becomes like a matter of like, uh, then they, they they become sad, depressed, and all these these things happen. And sometimes people find strategies for it, but in a tragic way. You know, when they go and touch somebody without asking for consent, you know, when they forcefully mm-hmm. touch someone, you know. So that's when I think touch started acquiring these um, this negative aspect to it in the north. You know, so because uh, when it happens, it happens without consent. It happens in a forceful way. I mean, not all the time, of course. I mean, generalizing brutally here, but like when sometimes because I was reading about these manuals that they created in high schools in the US about when touch is appropriate, when touch is not appropriate. So they create like rules and regulations about who you can touch and when and what. Which
1: is a crazy idea here. Yeah. Because it happens all the time.
0: Exactly. Here, here it's you know, you know, so for me as a Brazilian, with my Brazilian mind reading that, I was like, oh my god.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> However, when I tap into that cultural point of view, it's okay. It's like okay, it makes sense. You know, because in the context of being there, it kind of makes sense, you know. So teaching dance in different cultures to bridge that gap, I use the humor. Uh, in my speaking to, to not make the topic feel heavy you know to have the topic be lighter have the topic be more we just talk about humans being humans you know kind of vibe and that has made things easy because I have seen classes about embrace created around the things to be cautious about mm. yeah so when you w- in this environment when the classes are around the things to be cautious about and i saw this in didactics as well you you sort of create uh this idea of all the things somebody should not do you know uh it in some people creates this fear of doing it at all you know so i'm trying to think and to focus on the things that I would like them to do, or like them to think about or consider, you know, or and explore. Explore. And the language that I use is through is through a lighter language, uh, with the words that I'm that I'm choosing, you know. So it's a whole it's a whole process <laughs> to bridge these gaps.
1: No, I find that I find that really amazing because as they're speaking, I see that you're extremely empathetic, right? Putting on that Cultural perspective that's not yours. Yeah. To then understand it, to not judge it. Yes. You know? And, and um, I want to share a moment. Um, I remember, like, at your leaders' intensive, we learned close embrace, right? Yeah, that's sure. why I first yeah. I was exposed to close embrace. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was this thing on side connection. Yeah. And the reason, I, from what I remember, because you don't want the cross to touch the follow. Yeah. So we're going to do side connection. And I remember coming here and taking from an instructor and they were like, why are you connected like that? Mm-hmm. Like square up, you know? Mm-hmm. It made me curious. I was like, oh, like, did, did you have to perhaps change something to make it more digestible yeah. for another audience? So it's a yes. Um, but I find that really amazing because bridging that gap is then allowing me who might've never ex- have experienced the feelings that come from a close embrace, mm. now, it's more accessible for me. yeah. And I remember um, talking to Luan Adriana in that interview and they were like, you know, like we talk about touch and embrace, but it's not so much about meet to meet is what Luan said, it was, it's, it's about heart to heart, right? Mm-hmm. And and yeah. and y- yeah, you know, the more close we get and it can be fun and, and um, there's a lot you can do in a close embrace, but we're really after that feeling, that connection. Mm-hmm. And whether it's more, physical touch or less physical touch were, were after the same thing. Yeah. Right. And that's something that's shared across all cultures. Yeah. Maybe the physical touch might be less or more depending
0: on what it is. Exactly. It's different cultures have a very different take on touch. You know, it, it's, it has different meanings, uh, the touch, you know, and it's sometimes, um, it's sometimes, uh, for certain people, you know, like it's, it's, limited to a to a certain group of people, you know, family, for example, or or lovers, or, you know, there is like a, a thing. And in the in this thing that you mentioned, adaptations were needed to, I needed to do adaptations to to be able to speak with that crowd. Yeah. So I adapted the language, adapted wh- what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. So, the metaphysical aspects, I needed to make them more physical, more objective. You know, I needed to bring to the technique a way for them to get to the metaphysical aspect that I'm talking about. Because that was my journey, learning these things in my body to then change the mind. Uh, And culturally, for the cultures, yeah, exactly. So, basically what I did was to accept... The reality and the circumstances of the place that I was, without trying to change it, you know. So it's basically, rather than changing, it's basically like showing my perspective and see how they will go about it, you know. But in a way that respects their speech, that respects that how they see uh, the world in that moment. And it's not that I know it, so I need to talk to them. I need to investigate. I need to do interviews with the organizers, and I need to like really understand. So this trip that I did this past months was amazing for that because I got to live in the place for a couple of weeks and really see how people go about life, mm-hmm. and that helped me inform how they see these relationships a lot, uh, and then adapt the teaching uh, to the place that I am. You know, so I have like the, the 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 way that I taught in Japan was different from the way that I taught in Denmark and different the way that I taught in Australia. You know it changes
1: most definitely switching gears a little bit and going back to what you said on adaptation yeah. um that that is a core concept that you teach and we spent we just um did a private together and that was a really big theme yeah. um it's interesting one thing that came up for me is i was taught and, you know, not, not like any perspective is wrong, just many different perspectives. And that's, yeah. that's the beauty of Brazilian Zouk, right?
0: hundred percent, yeah.
1: Um, I was more, I learned more of like, okay, you sh- you should be able to lead every movement. That's how you know you're doing it well, right? With everyone. It's not just, oh, only, reserved for only the good falls, you can yes. lead it, right? Yes. So if you lead everything, that's good. Yeah. But it's more on you using manipulation, weight shifting, you know, for example, and, yeah. and stuff to place your follow yeah right Mm -hmm. um and you had this perspective and exercise on adaptation which i was like wow this feels very different yes um and i'm curious to know when you enter a social dance how do you adapt to the fall not just on a physical sense and i love to touch on that but also on an energetic sense
0: okay okay it's a very good question, <laughs> because the energetical sense I call vibe. Né? It's like adapting to the vibe, and that vibe is showcased to me through the movement, through movement. So through the the way that somebody is moving, like the speed that they choose, like the the size, all these things, I get, I get, I get the vibe. I get the energy. You know, I am not. sure of what the energy is. I'm not trying to guess what the energy is. So I really stay with what the body is showing me and how I can adapt with what is happening in that moment. Uh, Because I used to try to interpret things. So I used to try to guess, like sometimes I would dance to somebody that would have holding more tension in their arm and I would say like, oh, they don't want to dance with me or, oh, they are a beginner, or, oh, they, you know, I try to create, I, I started, I would I would create stories based on how the body was moving, you know, and then I realized that sometimes I would try to change that body, if the arm was here, I would try to put it lower, or I would try to put it higher, so I decided one day to stop doing that, and just staying with what was happening in front of me, without trying to interpret what was going on, and that was one that. She, the, the the thing really changed uh, because then the person that was dancing with me was able to feel more comfortable uh, uh, emotionally, comfortable with the dance because it was basically they were being they were doing their thing and there were no one trying to change it, you know. Uh, so with the thing of the vibe, what I I'm still adapting to the body, I'm still adapting to the movement. Because the movement shows me the vibe. Mm. That's how I see nowadays. Because I'm not sensitive enough to perceive these metaphysical aspects of existence uh, through presence. You know, I need the body <laughs> to tell me things. And then the body is telling me to move in a certain way, Then I go with that. You know, so that's how I adapt to the vibe. It's still adapting to the body, still adapting to the physical.
2: This is interesting because i struggle with this a little bit mm-hmm. but but because people say that my body is like asking for things more complicated and asking for things fast and sometimes i just want to close embrace and not do anything and sometimes i feel like mm-hmm. oh my god what should i do to make people, understand, make the leaders understand that I want, I just want to relax and close embrace, because mm-hmm. I can be fast, okay? I can be fast. I can do a lot of stuff, but I don't want to. So I think it's important. To maybe you're listening, the, the the follower, and I want to understand how you can, like understand, because I never had this kind of dance with G. That he was trying to do a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. so I feel that he can, uh, like, listen my body very well. Mm-hmm. So I want to understand. What do you do? How you listen the follower body?
0: It's, I think like this thing, when people tell you, oh, uh, what what do did, what did they say to you? It's like, oh, your body is asking for...
2: My body is asking to do fast things and more movements. And...
0: So to me, when I hear this, I think they are interpreting how you move, you know, or they are interpreting that the way that you move, you're asking for more. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think, yeah, in my perspective, it's, it comes from this idea of creating stories around the way that you move, around the way that your 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 body moves, the way your movement looks like, you know? So for me to answer to your question uh, is the same answer to his question. I stay with what your body is telling me that moment and how I know or not, if you want to move more or less, that's tricky to explain. Because nowadays, it's, it's a, the, the whole thing happens so quickly in my body that I don't identify it precisely. You know, it's hard for me to identify it precisely. So some people ask for things very clearly. For example, when they want to move more, their body starts to get a little bit more uh, agitated. And they do move. They do go, you know. And then they're like, okay, let's go. And then for someone someone wants to stay more, I go for a basic and the step almost doesn't happen. So that for me is like, oh, the step almost didn't happen. I'm going to stay here. So I'm going to step in a way that that step and that almost didn't happen. It was that thing that I was telling you in class. I was about to step size three, but the person did size one. So that for me is just staying with the body. I just did size one, you know, and sometimes size zero because I was going for size one and mm, 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 want to stay here one thing that I learned is every time you start a movement as a leader né, when you're leading some movement every time you start the response that comes from the follower is theirs so if you are listening to these movements and this is the intricacy if you are listening to the responses of the body you are able to identify the vibe because you're going to be able to identify through the response how big it's going to be, how fast it's going to be you know so that this is how this is how uh, it goes this is how it develops especially with body movements because everybody develops particular pathways in their body movements from isolations to undulations so sometimes you begin one and the person goes through their pathways you know, almost by instinctively instinctively and then follow through and then you figure out you know so it's the follow the follow principle going on yeah so that's that's how i that's how i do it
2: yeah thank you <laughs>
1: and another layer to this was what i found one was so interesting and i asked you at the end of the private yeah. so if your mindset is to adapt to the follow mm. the follow can never be wrong or yeah. not never right if it's uncomfortable like you said
0: yeah could be worked on right so it comes down for me to a culture aspect actually because when I think about Brazilian partner dances, they are by culturally speaking, by definition, democratic environments, yeah, where people from all ages or walks of life go to, you know, be in a community and have fun and enjoy life. Uh and when I watch people from back in the day dancing, I see that they do like Last movements. So in Brazil, for example, I used to go to this place called Democráticos. Democráticos is classically a for place, but it had samba as well, one of these days. And they, they, they call the, the old guards, a velha guarda. So people from back in the day, people in their 80s and 70s. And they go dance. And then I would sit down and watch them dance. And they do basically four fundamentals in different variations. And they do it their way. You know, they, they, they just do it because they are not there to do anything else but dance and have fun with each other. So this cultural aspect of the dance made me think lighter on achieving specific uh, shapes and views and, and, and looks and aesthetics uh, because I think I started to focus on what I can create with this person that feels easy to do, effortless to do, and true. Yeah. So in this idea, there, the wrong, the idea of wrong kind of like goes away because there are no set goals beyond the connection, beyond the communication. I think you get it wrong, for example, when you are, for example, rehearsing something and you have a specific direction to hit, mm-hmm. a specific pose to hit, and you didn't turn that direction, then you got it wrong because you had the goal to be facing the. This so if it's
1: a choreography, you can get. it Yes, wrong. exactly. But in social dance, I don't think anything so. can go.
0: Yeah, especially given that safety is taken into like account, comfort is taken into account, consent is taken into account. I think in terms of like leading and following movements, fundamentals, I nowadays I don't process a fuck up and don't process something went wrong cuz even for example i'm going to do something like very specific i want to hit the one i want to hit the one but some for example some followers i can lead them by impulse some followers i need to lead all the way through so sometimes i go lead by impulse somebody that learned to be led all the way through so the impulse leading following people would get one the the leading all the way through people would stop right here because they are waiting for me to lead the rest of the way. And sometimes I get on the one, the person is here. So I was like, she's here, you know? <laughs> yeah, what can you do about no, okay. it? <laughs> yeah, you cool? I'm not like, God damn it, I didn't get the one. <laughs> you know? I got the I still got the one, but not there, here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so this is, the, this is how I see it these days. You know
1: one thing I appreciate about that is when you say something is wrong like or perceive something as wrong it it can be it come from a place of judgment and that can affect your your mood and how you feel about this person right and I, I've always noticed that it's like when there is even a little bit of judgment when I'm social dancing and it's hard right because we're human and we judge we can't judge all the time if that's something that you know is like just how you grew up, you know? And every time there's just a little bit of a little ounce of it, it's going to affect my mood. And if there's just a little bit more of that, I'm not going to enjoy the social.
0: hundred percent, man. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, and so for me, like I was I was actually telling a friend about this last night. Um, There's certain beginner follows um, or that might not be most comfortable. And maybe it's because I'm not adapting enough, you know, maybe I can work on that. Um, where I'm just like, oh, like, I, I there's not the most comfortable dance. Like, I'm hesitant to dance with them, but I'm like, I sh- need to go dance with them because it's a practice for me of humility. Like, mm. who, like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know shit, right? <laughs> yes. It's kind of where I go to. It's like, man, why am I judging so much? You know, it's like, I don't even know this person. And, and, this, and I, I started somewhere. There were times, I mean, I remember the times when a lot of falls said no to me and that felt crappy, you know? And so um, I'm not perfect. I still judge, but it's like, for me, I think it's a practice. It's like, okay, humble yourself a little bit. You don't know shit. Like go dance with this person and try to have the best dance you can with them.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think that, so the things that I do to adapt, they're not fail-proof. They don't, they don't work with everyone. So I had situations this year in which I could not find a way to adapt to the person I was dancing with. It was not working at all. And I felt things. I felt like frustration, anxiety, sometimes anger, you know, because I got there this is, uh, I'm working, you know, <laughs> it's not going, it's not going. And then I started to like and go through this whole mental process of like, is it me? What is happening? does this person really wants to dance with me? Why did she invite me to dance if it's going this way? You know, like this whole thing. And then the judgments come. They kick very hard. Uh, and I nowadays I'm able to observe that while it's happening and sort of like work through them while, while they're happening, you know. Uh, but the, to the to the aspect of dancing with with beginners, I was trained in a way in which dancing with the beginners was the thing we were trained to do. You know, we were... The beginners were the people that the survival of the dance school depended on. You know, so we needed to work with them. We needed to like... We needed to, to like really dance with them. We had a whole social just to dance with the beginners. Over time, I learned to appreciate over time. It was not in the beginning. I learned to appreciate that more and more and more to the point that sometimes that social was my favorite one because they were really excited. The music was slower. The music tended to be the classic ones, you know, the ones that don't play when the things are going crazy. They don't play this music. So sometimes I like this music. So in the socials saw them, the music was more to my liking. And I had an interesting experience this year and, and when I went to a scene that I had more of my comfortable dances with the beginners and more of my less comfortable dances with the advanced. Because the techniques that they were using to dance, the beginners were still more moldable. They were still like starting. So I had more comfortable dances dancing with the beginners. And that was a little mind boggling to me. I was like, what's happening? You know, because it was interesting to perceive that. Because sometimes the the technical aspects of the dancing, meaning how much engagement you hold, where your arms are, where you step, how pointy your feet are, you know, you know, all these things can get in the way of comfort, you know, and somebody that is beginning intuitively, you know, they, they are more moving by intuition than by full awareness of their movements. So, and that sometimes can be comfortable as well. So for me, dancing with uh dancing with beginners nowadays is also adaptation training i also i also learn a lot by dancing with them and it's also i think an act of act act of service to the overall community uh because these are the new people that are coming in you know these are the new people that are gonna drive the scene you know so that's the that's the idea. So learning adaptation skills helped me have fun, enjoyable dances with with the beginners as well. You know? I had like I had a one of my biggest teachers of this was another bolsista at Jaime. You know, I was a bolsista. Have you ever explained to people what a bolsista is? Yes.
3: We we have, right? What a bolsista is?
1: We have. Yeah. A yeah. little yeah. bit. We, we get that. So it's like an apprentice.
0: Yeah. It's like a, you get to learn for free in exchange to dance with the for dance with the students. We had another sister that I was having a struggle with that years ago. Uh, dance with beginners because I felt like I want to do some stuff. But because they were beginners, I couldn't. Yeah. I wanted to do quicker things. I couldn't. So I was watching this other bossista friend of mine dancing and he was having fun. He was like singing, he was like enjoying life. And then when he sat next to me, I was like, "Who, dude, how do you do that? How do you, how do you have fun? Man, the, the song is, you know, and you were like chilling, have a good time doing basics. And he was like, I found a way to find fun doing back and forward small because I found a way to enjoy the song that it doesn't involve necessarily expressing it in big, fast movements. You know, it's, I think, (laughs) as dancers, it gets to a point in our life, in our training, that it's not physical anymore or as much. It's a lot of a mind game. It's a lot of stuff in our heads.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Um, and coming back to judgment, right? When we... We spend a lot of time and energy and money, and we all invested into this dance, each one of us, you know? And so it sucks because we take a lot of time and energy to learn it. And then we come to these people, such as like beginners and stuff like that. And sometimes when you're like an intermediate, you feel like you want to express everything you've learned. And you feel like you cannot communicate with the others, right? Or you can't express Um, But as you get more into advance, you actually get to enjoy the smaller intricacies of the basic and enjoyment and getting um, seeing that smile, seeing that energy exchange, feeling that and being a part of something bigger, which is the community Uh, in your case would be the dance school, right? The Dance school grew and people hung out and people did things together they went out together after the school Um, I know this was a very common thing when I came when I came to Brazil and I was going to Renata school after the class everyone would go down to the bar exactly have fun exactly
0: yeah this is a very powerful aspect of the dance school culture in Rio at least I don't know here in São Paulo yeah but the I'm not going to lie. It's not that we become Buddhas, you know, <laughs> or, or like these magical beings, you know, that like, oh, no, 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 not at all. I do have these moments in which I do want to and do all the crazy stuff. I do have them, I do have them, but I'm not possessed by them, you Where's know, yeah. bye Ali. thank you so much. <laughs> you. No worries, love. Yeah, I do get, I do get these moments in which I do want to do all the things, you know, the thing is that, and that I learned from my, from my references, my references, they would social dance the whole night when the social is pretty crowded in a very calm way, I mean calm, basics, doing basics, they would do their, their, their thing because it was not what they were doing, but how, and that's something important too, I learned about, I learned more about the how than, than, than the what. With them. But in the end of the social, when they had time, space, they would go all out, man.
3: So you said something very important because a lot of the times you said that there was room to dance after the party to do all the big figures and stuff.
0: Yeah, they yeah, like I was saying, like my, my references, they would be they would have like a very interesting dynamic in which they would really Go all out when they had space, and when they would find someone that that they could you know dance that way with, you know, so they would be more like there was a level of patience to waiting for when there is space and the person
3: yes and my and one point that I would like to make out to all cities, all countries, all places is that at the beginning of the social it people are fresh, people have space, people have time. And it's usually when the beginners are there. And so take advantage of this time. It's an opportunity to arrive early, to be there. Um, Here in Brazil, I don't know, I I do know why people come so late and stay so late, but they tend to show up like at 1 or 2 a.m. And I actually made it a thing now to go early to the parties and there because i have more space yeah. i don't want to go to solo when it's completely packed and i can't even move
0: yeah
3: i can't enjoy and the other thing from my own party the league of shadows um i like obviously i'm there early because i'm the organizer right but uh i like going there because that's when the beginners are there they just got done with the class i want to make everyone feel welcomed and i get to dance with everybody And because most of the time they're very shy and uh, uncomfortable and they don't feel a part of this community. So I think it's the biggest opportunity for for people who want to help out the community and, you know, be a part of it more. It's like even if you don't take the class, just arrive early to make people feel welcome, because that's what will expand it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree that arriving early is the best. I at the at the social, it would start, like, at 9 o'clock. And by 8.50, there was already the line of the ladies waiting to come in. So, like, they would come in very early because they would go home early, you know. So, that was the thing. They would... People would not stay very long because they wanted to go to sleep. People that would stay long are the hardcore ones, yeah. you know. So, I think I like to arrive early. Like you said, is less people... And sometimes the music is, I like the music of the early sets as well so much. (laughs) They tend to be of my liking. Uh, So yeah, arriving early people.
1: I agree. You have 10 minutes? Yeah. Okay, well, I want to respect your time. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can expand on this in another episode with you in in the future, but Tango, I know it's a rabbit hole, but (laughs) I'd love to hear a little bit about it um, because one thing I really appreciate about your YouTube videos yes. is that you have a, a very thoughtful and philosophical blurb on dance right at the bottom, mm-hmm. like in the description. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I remember I read a few of them and you mentioned Buenos Aires a lot.
0: Yeah.
1: And it seems like your travels to Buenos Aires really informed a lot of these ideas such as weight shifting, breath, embrace that you yeah. later, um, well, you also. You know, teach in Zouk, yeah. right? And and so I'm curious to know. Um, I don't know, like, if you can make this short, but it's like, what is for someone who doesn't dance tango? Mm-hmm. What is the beauty of tango? Um, and what aspects of it have you brought into Zouk?
0: Ooh, good one, good one. So, yeah. Uh, Tango informed a lot of how I dance, as you guys can see, because the beauty of it for me lies on how much attention they give to the simple. So for my personality or for my vibe, I don't know. For example, I'm really fond of some aspects of Japanese culture uh, because of this thing of For example, admiring flowers, you know, they have a word for admiring the sakura flowers in cherry blossom season. The tea ceremony, like you're drinking tea, but there's a whole ceremony around it. You know, the way you pour the tea, the way you prepare the tea, all these things are simple, are done with so much thought. And that for some reason is very attractive to me. And so the beauty of Tango for me is, it lies on this idea of making something seemingly simple, like embracing someone and walking forward, the most magical thing possible, you know? So like, this is where the beauty of Tango is to me. So it's like, it's this enormous amount of time spent in these things. And, talking about the philosophy of these things why we are doing these things why we move the way we move and then taps into the cultural aspects of it the Argentinians have something that I find really powerful, is that when something culturally is understood as theirs they, they, they want to protect it and they want to enhance it you know, like Gardel Carlos Gardel is, is painted in walls you know, Maradona yeah. there is a Ba- a ballet dancer there that I forget I forget his name now but it's also a thing, you know, and tango. So being Buenos Aires, you are you like like you are showered with this heavily cultural aspect of it and appreciation for it. So they have a thing that they say they embrace is innegotiable. You know? Innegotiable. Innegotiable. El abrazo is innegotiable. You cannot negotiate the embrace. You gotta embrace. You know, so like if you're dancing tango, you're dancing in embrace. So this like, and they feel it, you know, like when they talk about it, they're like, <clears throat> you know, stand by <laughs> there is this thing about it. Like in a lot of the, a lot of the, 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 some of the quotes that I use came from watching uh, tango documentaries, came from talking to tango people. For example, who makes a good silence, makes a good tango. Who makes a good silence, makes a good tango. Because when you watch a Tango dancer dancing and they stop, you're like, Whoa. you feel this thing. And like, and then you have whole workshops on how to stop. And it's stopping, you know, stopping to move and staying there really well. There's another quote. Uh, in this competition, dances who does the better nothing. Who does nothing better wins. And by then and this nothing is like the walking, the stopping.
1: Wow, that's, that's so hard to wrap my mind around, yeah. especially in this era of Zouk where it yeah, sp- spins all day.
0: It's like Castego like co- has a competition called Tango Salon, which is like the social dance tango competition. And one of my instructors used to compete there, and he said, you know who wins this competition? Who makes the better nothing? Makes nothing better wins, and it's like because it this there is this appreciation for the posture, for shifting weight, for walking, that resonated with me a lot, because I see it, I saw it, I see it as something safe, <laughs> something safe, something that I feel comfortable doing, that I that I feel that I can do, you know, uh, maybe because of my personality. I have a hard time opening, showing. For me, it's easier to be here. You know, so tango is a dance, a whole dance built around being here. Samba de Gaffier is a whole dance around being here. So tango ball and samba, for me, they were my three main dances for a long time because there are dances in which I can't be here with someone and just walk and and be fine, you know. So that's... That's the summary for the tango part. You know, so it helps me inform. And, man, I, I did classes with Argentinian teachers that they would say the craziest things in the most natural way possible. There was this, this lady teaching, and she would, talk, she would tell the followers that the energy to walk back has to come from the center of their vagina. <laughs> and she would speak like that, and people are like, What? Did she really say that? Is it is it really happening? And she Yeah, that's it. You know? Oh, this is the whole thing. Like and then there was this other guy that I did that I did classes with that he would talk about the the cosa. That's the 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 thing about embracing like almost like curving and holding like this with, with the hand. And he wanted us to take that shape, to feel the spirit, the milonguero spirit. So it's very metaphysical as well, you know. So I love that stuff. And <laughs> you know? also like, it's a whole dance in my interpretation built around these aspects. And that I really appreciate that resonate with me a lot. And so that's why it was very easy to translate to all the other dances that I dance as well.
1: Makes sense. Um, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Mm -hmm. I do want to say one more thing. It's that, you know, the whole reason why we're doing this Bankai Zouk thing is for me personally, it was I had a glimpse of some, I don't know what to call it, but some beauty when learning Zouk and taking private and social dance that I wanted to um, share with the world. Mm. And I didn't know what word like could encapsulate that, but I think you did it perfectly. It's the the beauty or big part of what I, I why I see Zuka so beautiful is very metaphysical.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, super.
1: So I love that you said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you guys for the invitation. I love the conversation, super fun. Loved, loved it, so, I loved it, yeah.
1: Where can people find you on the interwebs?
0: In the interwebs, <laughs> Nowadays I'm mostly using Instagram uh for posting things uh, so is gi underline prada I have uh, my YouTube uh, page where I post the, the whole videos I tend to post the videos with better quality on YouTube <laughs> Camera's moving around Also have, have uh, Facebook Gui prada uh, yeah so YouTube Gui prada Facebook Gui prada Instagram Gui prada And yeah, can message me there. Talk to me there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Well, it was my pleasure. Oh, can I, can I, can I also talk about my course? Of course. Yeah. So I have an online course called Embrace Zook Online, which is, uh, it has 50 something videos on closing race, mostly about vocabulary. So it's a course that teaches vocabulary for people that want to Maybe expand their set of skills on their own dancing close embrace, and I'm adding a new module to the course shortly on solo training, so drills and warm-ups that people can do by themselves to work on their embrace. Because I learned that you can practice your embrace by yourself. <laughs> so, wow, so that's I'm, interesting. Yeah, so I'm creating a new part of the course uh, for that. So gotcha. thank you, thank you for the opportunity.
1: Check it out, guys. Yeah. and you haven't done so yet subscribe to Bankaizuk YouTube and check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcast if you just want to listen to us and not watch the video but that yeah. wraps it up
0: thank you guys thank you thank you so thank